him therefore unto them to be crucified. And they took Jesus and led him away. And he bearing his cross went forth into a place called the place of a skull, which is called in the Hebrew Golgotha, where they crucified him and two other with him on either side one and Jesus in the midst. And Pilate wrote a title and put it on the cross. And the writing was Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. This title then read many of the Jews for the place where Jesus was crucified was nigh to the city. And it was written in Hebrew and in Greek and in Latin. Then said the chief priests of the Jews to Pilate, write not the king of the Jews, but that he said, I am king of the Jews. And Pilate answered, what, have I, what I have written, I have written. Then the soldiers, when they had crucified Jesus, took his garments and made four parts to every soldier a part, and also his coat. Now the coat was without seam, woven from the top throughout. Then said therefore, they said therefore among themselves, let us not rend it, but cast lots for it, whose it shall be, that the scripture might be fulfilled which saith, they parted my garment among them, and for my vesture they did cast lots. These things, therefore, the soldiers did. Now there stood by the cross of Jesus his mother and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Cleopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus, therefore, saw his mother and the disciple, John, and the disciples standing by whom he loved, he saith unto his mother, Woman, behold thy son. Then saith he to the disciple, Behold thy mother. And from that hour that disciple took her unto his own home. After this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, saith, I thirst. Now there was set a vessel full of vinegar, and they filled a sponge with vinegar, and put it upon hyssop, and put it to his mouth. When Jesus, therefore, had received the vinegar, he said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up the ghost. Father, we pray today that you'd help me to preach and the power of the Holy Ghost help me to be a blessing and honor unto you, Lord. I stand where no man can help me but you. And I pray you to help me to preach in the power. Help me to have liberty. Let me not preach with the tiresome words of man's wisdom, my excellency of speech. But, Lord, that it might exalt the Father, the Savior. I pray, dear God, that you'd make it real. You said, well, the Spirit of the Lord, there is, there is liberty. And I stand, Lord. I'm in need of a cleansing from the top of my head to the bottom of my feet. I pray, God, you cleanse me again with the same blood that converted me, that you might cleanse me fresh. And help me, Lord, not to be a vessel that would contaminate, but, Lord, be a vessel that would contain and Lord that you'd use to deliver and, and deliver your truth to the hearts of everybody that's in this building on the sound of our voice 
or listen by way of podcast. We pray, God, that you'll get glory. Please, Lord, we plead the blood and pray you'd have the results, that the results will be yours. I pray you'd help me, and Lord, help us all to leave this place saying it's been good, been good to be in the house of God. Pray our souls will be fed, our lives would be transformed for time and eternity. Your will be accomplished and you be worshiped. We'll thank you in Jesus' name, amen. You be seated. If the Lord would help us for a little while tonight, I want to preach on Christ and his cross. Christ and his cross. The best that men had to offer Christ for coming into the world was a cow stall. And the best thing, I mean, the best thing man could give Christ for coming and incarnate into this world was a cow stall. And the best thing that man could do for his compassion was nail him to a cross. God at his best, man at his worst at Calvary. We read the text in John in chapter number 19. But walk with me. Let's go back to chapter 19 and verse number 1. In chapter 19 and verse number 1, I just want to point out a few things. You can write them down We'll just by way of introduction. I want you to notice with me. In John chapter number 19 and verse number 1, they were cruel to him. They had chose a robber to be freed rather than the Redeemer. And the last verse in chapter 18. And in verse number 1, Then Pilate therefore took him and scourged him. They were cruel to him. They crowned him with a curse. And the soldier plated a crown of thorns, put it on his head, and they put on him a, a purple robe. So they crowned him with a fake, a mocking kind of cursed crown, and they clothed him with contempt, mocking him for claiming to be the king, or the king of the Jews. And verse number three, they criticized him and accosted him. Look at verse number three, and said, Hail, king of the Jews, and they smote him with their hands. And verse number four, we find out, look, watch what Pilate said, Pilate therefore went forth again and saith unto them, Behold, I bring forth to you that you may know that I find no fault in him. In other words, there's no cause for what you're doing. Pilate confessed that there was no cause for the crucifixion. He never asked for forgiveness. Think about Jesus. I mean, he was a miraculous birth. He lived a moral life. Everything he did was for, for the benefit of mankind. He never had to ask for forgiveness for anybody. He never done anything wrong to ask for forgiveness. Never had to apologize. Never had to repent. Never had to say, I'm sorry. Whoo, Lord, have mercy. I mean, wouldn't that be a blessing just for a couple of days? Amen. I mean, ne never brought an accusation that wasn't absolutely true. Amen. He did not sin because he could not sin because he's as much God as he was man. He came into this world. He didn't come into this. He came into this world to take away our sin, and in him is no sin at all. Sin could, <laughs> sin could not overcome him. Temptation could not overcome him. He healed people. He touched people. He forgave people. Sin, thank God, was placed on him on the cross, but it never left his mark on him. Oh, thank God for our Savior. He's more than just a man. They tried to commonize him. You find that out in verse number five. Then Jesus came forth wearing the crown of thorns and purple. And Pilate saith him, Behold the man. He's more than just a man. Amen. He's the man of all mans. Then if you looked over, 
you'd see Christ, he's the champion of the church. Thank God. Here they classified him in verse number 19 and verse number 20. Pilate wrote a title and put it on the cross. And the writing was Jesus of Nazareth, the king of the Jews. So they classified him. They, they, they said who he was. And boy, thank God. They wrote it in, in three different languages. This is a truth deeper than the man who had it wrote. Deeper than the author and more sincere than the mockers. And they wrote it in three different languages. They wrote it in Hebrew. That's the sacred language. That's the language of Hebrew worship. And then they wrote it in Greek. That's the common language. That's the, uh, the language of the people, the trade language. And then they wrote it in Latin. That's the administrative or the government. Amen. It doesn't matter what kind of religion you have. He's the only king. Amen. It doesn't matter what you trade. He's the best trade you'll ever make. It'll be always up. And thank God this world's governments will fall apart and he'll be the only one standing. And don't believe me, ask Daniel. He'll tell you all the way back there. Thank God for the truth that we see at Calvary. But I want us to look at something a little bit different tonight. I want you to notice, first of all, women, just walk with me through different places in the Bible. I want you to listen to the Savior's cries from the cross. Listen to what he says from the cross. Look what the Bible said in verse number 24 or verse number 25. Verse number 25 through verse 27 in our text. In John chapter 19 and verse 25, the Bible says, Now there stood by the cross of Jesus, his mother and his mother's sister Mary, the wife of Cleophas and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciples standing by whom he loved, he saith unto his mother, Woman, behold thy son. These cries, the listening to the Savior's cries, when we look in John's gospel, we see in this gospel, we see the cries that revealed his vicious suffering or his vacating saints. Everybody is gone except for the names of the crowd that's listed. They are Jesus' mother, Mary the wife of Cleophas, Mary Magdalene, and the disciple whom Jesus loved. Where's that whole crowd that he healed? Where's the lepers that he cleansed? Where's the eyes that he opened? Where's the ears that he let be able to hear again? Where's the paralytic man that he, that he healed? They're all gone. Where's the rest of the disciples? You say, preacher, one of them betrayed him, but where's the rest of them? Only John, and John's gonna leave him. He's gonna go into the nursing home ministry. The Bible says from that hour, that very hour, so Jesus eventually is gonna be vacated by all the saints. I just want to encourage you today, if you think you're lonely, ain't nobody ever been as lonely as Jesus. Amen. He was forsaken. God forsook God for our behalf that we might never be forsaken. If you're a believer, there's never be a time when he'll ever forsake you. He'll never leave you nor forsake you. You'll never be as lonely as Jesus was right here. You see the vacating of the saints, the cries of the, of the vicious death that he suffered. See, there's broken ties. Had to, be, had to be broken hearted. How do you think it made the Lord feel? And I see nobody out there but them few women and John. There had to be a, nextly a burning thirst. Watch what the Bible said. The next thing that we notice in verse 28 and 29, here's this other cry. We can hear his cries from the cross that reveal his vicious death and the vacating saints. Look at verse 28. After this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, saith, I thirst. He thirsted in fulfillment of the scriptures that we might never. I'm glad we can go to him and get our thirst quenched. Amen. But he had to be thirsty 
so we would have our thirst quenched. He had to die so we could live. He had to pay the price so we could go free. Boy, ain't you glad Jesus did it for you and me. Amen. The burning thirst. It was a terrible thirst. It's, the Bible's talked about his tongue cleaving to his, to his jaws. So we see the cries of, of his vicious suffering, the vacating saints. There was a burning thirst. How many of you have been somewhere and you'd do anything just for a, a drink of water? This is the man who measured the waters in the hollow of his hand. There is no water except what he created, and yet the Bible said he thirsted. All through the text, you can go all the way back to the first temptation in Matthew chapter number four, after he was baptized in Matthew chapter number three. You know what the devil was trying to get him to do? He is trying to get him to operate on the platform of God. That ain't why he came. He come to die as man because man sold us out in the garden and there had to be another man that redeemed us back from what the first man sold us under. And so he didn't use his power. Hey, he didn't operate to get out of the temptation in the power or realm of God, he did it as man. Oh, thank God he was hungry. He was thirsty. Oh, I'm so glad. He's been tasted every kind of defeat, every kind of pain that we might ever face. The cries of his uh, vicious suffering in the vacating saint. But I want you to notice this, the cries that was reveal his vicarious suffering. That means he, he took our place. I want you to take your Bible and just go back with me to the book of Luke. Go back with me to the book of Luke in chapter number 23. In Luke in chapter number 23, notice this, the cries of the vicarious suffering. Jesus died vicariously. He who did no sin died for sinners. Oh, thank God. In this cry, in these cries, in these three cries, we see this revealed. Look with me, if you will, in verse number 34. Then said Jesus, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they parted his raiment and cast lots. This was a cry that revealed his compassion for the sinner. He cried from the cross of Christ. He didn't say, come get me all you angels. He said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. They showed his compassion. Ain't you glad? Those that were gambling over there. I, I preached on this one day. I won't labor here long, but uh, there were a lot of people looking on. Some of them were short-sighted. Some of them were uh, cross-sighted. And those, they were so angry. One of them shoved a spear, and we'll, you'll see that later. But there were some here that were closed-sided. All they could see was they could profit. That's why I don't like gambling. Because they gambled at the foot of Jesus, and I won't do nothing that crowd did. Somebody ought to say amen. The cries of his vicarious suffering. This cry reveals his compassion for the sinner. He said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. The very ones that were responsible for crucifying, the very ones that were stripped him, and now had parted his raiment and were casting lots and gambling at the foot of the man who was come to this world to show grace. Why, instead of receiving grace at this moment, they were worried about gambling. So we see his compassion for the sinner. But I want you to notice in verse number 43, look in verse number 43. Oh, thank you, Lord. This also shows his, his compassion for the sinner. Watch what, it, what he says here. And verse 43, And Jesus said to them, Verily, I say unto you, Today shalt thou be with me in paradise. 
So we see, he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what to do. He has compassion on sinners. But in verse number 43, the compassion moves to conversion. He says, Jesus said him verily, that is the word truly, I say unto thee today shalt thou be with me in paradise. In other words, today in your last day. Today is the beginning of the best part of your life. You thought today was your end. Hey man, but today's fixing to be the day. And ain't it something that the cross is what brought him to Christ? Amen. Oh, the cry that revealed the conversion. This old boy got saved. He could, he could promise. He could promise deliverance. Hey man, he could promise somebody who didn't deserve it, somebody who was never gonna give a tithe, never gonna hand out a tract, never gonna be baptized, never gonna witness to nobody, never gonna attend church. If anybody had the power to forgive, it was him. And boy, ain't you glad when you ain't got nothing that you can offer God. You stand there empty handed. He'll look at you and say, Father, forgive them for they know not what they, thank God, there is a life after this life. Amen. There is a paradise waiting on us. Thank God. Hallelujah. He's suffering so that this man could be saved. So we see the conversion of sinner, the compassion for sinner. But I want you to notice this. I want you to know this, the condemnation for a sinner. Watch this. The Bible says, here's what he said in verse, in verse number. Matter of fact, let's just go back. You can see it better. Let's go back to Matthew chapter number 27. Go back to Matthew in chapter number 27. Here's the cry that revealed the condemnation for sin. Look what the Bible said in Matthew chapter 27 and verse number 46. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, that is to say, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? That was the cry that revealed his condemnation for sin. The Bible says it, the Bible says it completely. Hey, their, their wages of sin is death. So there had to be a price paid. The price that had to be paid was somebody had to die. Jesus is our propitiation. His law meant that justice had to be satisfied. Somebody had to die. Jesus died so that we could go free. He that you know sin became sin that we might be made the righteousness of God. What we could not do in the weakness of the flesh, God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin condemned sin in the flesh that, amen, that the righteousness of the law might be revealed in us. He took all of our sin and put it on his account and the took all of his righteousness and put it on our account. That's the best trade I ever heard. I hope the Greeks hear it. Amen. Oh, thank God. We see the Bible tells us there is a cry of his vicarious suffering, his substitutionary death. He's took our place. He's the propitiation. He had compassion on a sinner. He converted a sinner and he condemned sin in his own flesh. Boy, ain't that a blessing. I thank God for that. Then notice the cries, not only of the vacating saints, not only of the vicious suffering, the thirst, the humanity, thirsting, the vicarious suffering, taking our place. Thank God for that. But notice his victory over sin. Go back with me, if you will, to Luke in chapter number 23 and verse number 46. Luke chapter number 23 and verse number 46. Here's what the Bible says. And when Jesus had cried with a loud voice, he said, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. And having said thus, he gave up the ghost. 
Amen. I like that right there. He was in control of his death. Hey, man, I want to speed ahead so fast. He gave up the ghost. He dismissed his spirit. Nobody took his life. He had power to lay it down, had power to take it up again. These are cries that reveal he is victorious over sin. Hey, man. Nobody. Hey, man. Though he became sin for us, he willingly laid down his life. He is the creator of life. He's the Bible said in the book of Acts, he's the prince of life. And they took by their wicked hands and their determinate counsel, but don't forget the foreknowledge of God had already planted out before the world ever was. This cry revealed that he was a confident, he was confident to surrender his ghost to the Father. Hey man, hey man, his victory over sin, he was confident. And not one time, not one time since Jesus had come into the world has he ever lost control. He didn't lose control as a baby. He didn't lose control. Don't believe him, apocryphal books. He never lost control and condemned nobody as a young boy. He didn't lose control as a teenager when hormones is running crazy. He didn't lose control at any point and he ain't a, he's still in control. You could say the, the tree was his throne. Hey man, he's in control of when he died and how how he died, hallelujah. He did not, he, he did not, uh, he does not be overcome by death. He surrendered his spirit and allowed himself to die. Say, that is enough to shout about. Hanging on the cross, he not only suffered vicariously, he not only suffered viciously, but thank God he suffered that he might bring victory. I'm glad he brought victory to us. This is, a revi this is not only a cry, not just a cry, thank God, not just a cry of his confident surrender. But I want you to watch this. Go over with me just a little bit. Go over with me just a little bit in John chapter number 19. Let's go back to John in chapter number 19 in verse number 30. Here's a cry under that heading of victory over sin. Thank God he was confident to dismiss the spirit and gave up the ghost, confident to surrender. But thank God there's a cry that revealed it, the completion of salvation. Hallelujah. Look at verse number 30. When Jesus, therefore, had received the vinegar, he said, it is finished, and he bowed his head and gave up the ghost. This is a cry that reveals salvation is complete. Not only was he confident to surrender his ghost, to dismiss his spirit, but thank God he's able to say, it is finished. And the Bible said, amen, hallelujah. They buried him, he that ascended, what is it that he first also descended in the lower parts of the earth, and three days later from here, he's gonna rise with the keys like hanging like a metal, amen, of death and hell on his vesture, and he's gonna sit down on his father's right hand. It is finished. Nothing else has gotta be done for you to be saved. Thank God, cross on the cross, Jesus done it all. In fact, that Calvary, 33 miracles took place. At Calvary, hundreds of prophecies were fulfilled. The likelihood of that even, a fraction of that happening is impossible with man, but what's impossible with man is possible with God. Salvation is complete. I'm glad he didn't say, I'm finished. Amen. He said, it's finished. I say, hallelujah. That's enough to shout about. What a cry. What a cry of victory. Salvation. 
that God had foreordained before the foundation of the world. His blood being shed, all those lambs, all those goats, all those bullets that we talked about were leading up. That just postponed the payment of sin, put it on a credit card, and Jesus come and paid the debt off. Ain't you glad? Hey, man, that you're debt free when it comes to salvation. Hey, man. Thank God we listen to the cries around Calvary. We listen to the cries from the cross. But let's look at these three symbolic crosses at Calvary. Look at these three symbolic crosses. Let's go back, if you will, to the book of Luke. Let's go back to Luke in chapter number 23. Look at three symbolic crosses at Calvary. We've heard the cries from Calvary. Let's look at the three symbolic crosses on Calvary. Notice this. I I love this. Look at verse 44 and verse 45. And it was about the sixth hour, there was darkness over the earth until the ninth hour. And the, everybody know that the Jewish day starts at six? So y'all help me out. I'm pretty good at math, but I did go to Polk County. How many is six plus six? That's 12. Am I right? Yeah. All right. And, and then the Bible says the ninth hour. So what time would that be? That'd be three o'clock. Everybody with me? Three hours, God turned the lights off. They had witnessed the scourging. They had witnessed them bludgeoning his head with the reed. They had witnessed the crown of thorns being put into it. They saw the insides of Christ laid open. They saw his hands pierced. They saw, hey, they wagged their head. They spit back in the recesses of their sinuses and hocked up the nasty stuff. You probably could, with all the hatred that man can muster and spit into the face of the Son of God. Isaiah said about him that his visage was more marred, his visage more marred than man, more than the son of man. Nobody had looked like him. It, the Bible said in the book of Psalms that every bone was out of joint. And so his skin was like a rubber glove holding everything together. Not a bone broke, but every bone was out of joint. Are y'all listening to me? Nobody had died like this on the cross, but Christ died. It was so painful. We're gonna find out later. His heart ruptured, that little water sack around his heart from the pain and the torture ruptured. Boy, I'm glad he did give his whole heart for us. Amen. Oh, thank God. We see when we think about this cross at Christ, we see the pain that he suffered. Here's what happens. We see one on one cross, a man who died for sin. He didn't die because he's a sinner. He didn't die in sin, didn't never have to die to sin, but this man here died for sin. Hey, man. Oh, yes, hallelujah. He died for sin. And God said the transaction is so holy. When when his soul is being made an offering for sin, not just his flesh, but when it comes to his soul being made an offering for sin, I'm gonna turn the lights off. I'm gonna put a veil. This thing is so holy, man can't look on it. I believe it's more dark than Egypt dark. I believe it's more dark than, I wouldn't believe a dog barked, a bird didn't chirp, a cat didn't meow. I mean, this thing is holy. The creator is dying. And God, that transaction took place. And here's what he's saying. Here's what the Bible said. Look with me, if you will. And verse number 45. And when Jesus cried with a loud voice, he said, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. And having said thus, he gave up those. Did y'all see that in verse 46? But watch what he said now. Watch what he said in verse number 45. 
Here's what the scriptures say. He said, from the sixth hour to the ninth hour, the sun was darkened and the veil of the temple was rent. Y'all remember, we'd already said it when sin was placed on him. He said, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? We know that that then sin was placed on him and God had to turn his back. God turned his back on God. But we know that in that three hours of darkness, amen, the payment was accepted. The transaction was complete because the relationship was, amen, told us in the scriptures, he went from my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? To father, that relationship's back into thy hands. Oh, thank God. Ain't you glad he grabbed God with one hand and man with the other hand? I got to thinking about the length of the cross. When you think about the length of the cross, there's nowhere in this world that cross can't reach. Amen. It can reach all the way up to God and all the way down to the lowest center. He can reach all the way to Asia and all the way back around to Russia. Amen. Thank God for the length and the reach of the cross. But all for the light of the cross. There's nobody that it can't touch. Thank God for the love of the cross. We know that love has been accepted and love accomplished what the law demanded. Oh, hallelujah. Thank God for the cross. On this cross, a man died for sin. This this, this death is a, there's a strange darkness. Somebody said one time, well, preacher, you know, it could have been an eclipse. Well, I've never even heard of an eclipse that lasted more than minutes. This ain't just an eclipse. This is not just something, it's not a shade tree. This right here is supernatural. Hey, man, there was a strange darkness, but there was a symbolic destruction. Look what he said. I'm gonna read it one more time. Verse 45 said, the veil of the temple was rent. Not only was there a strange darkness in the first part of verse 45, but in the latter part, hey man, there was a symbolic destruction. I mean, the veil of the temple was rent from top to bottom. They say about that veil, it was thicker than a man's hand, took two teams of horses, 10, 10, 10 horses in each team, pulling apart and they, they to stretch it and, and they couldn't tear it and yet God tore it like a piece of paper to show us that the middle wall partition is broke down. Now Jew and Gentile can have access. You don't have to go to some priest as some man dressed like his mother called himself father, hiding behind chicken wire. You don't have to do that. Uh, but he's made us individual believers priest. He's our high priest. Oh, I'm so glad we don't have to wait once a year when we sin. We can confess our sin. He's faithful just to forgive us our sin. In fact, the Bible said in Revelation, when he washed us in his blood, then he made us kings and priests to our God and his Father. I say amen. Thank God this man dying on the cross. There was a strange darkness, a symbolic destruction. But there was a starting, startling display. Look what happened in verse 52. Oh, my. Amen. Matter of fact, let's go back. Matthew chapter 27 and verse 52. Look at this startling display. And the Bible says the graves were open. <laughs> Woo! Amen. And many bodies of the saints which slept arose. Oh, let's don't forget 51. Let's don't forget 51, the startling display. Watch what happened. The rocks were rent. Now, I don't know. I'm not no gemologist or Jew. I don't even know what all you call them, people that study rocks, but I do know this, Brother Jerry. According to everything I've read, I, I guess this guy's right. I don't know enough to know. 
But according to this man I read after, he said every rock has some type of fracture in it. I know where it happened. It's unexplainable. We can't figure it out. I know where it happened. The creator died. And so creation, earth was groaning. And it groans to this day for redemption. Oh, yes. Hey, the Bible says, the Bible says the rocks were rent. Verse 52, startling display. The graves were open. Amen. And after Christ is going to be raised from the dead because he's the first fruits of the resurrection, they didn't come out of the grave according to the Bible. They didn't come out of the grave and came out of the grave, verse 53, after his resurrection and went to the holy city and appeared unto many. Can you imagine how alert people were, how alarmed people were? Can you imagine, hey man, they were acutely aware of what went on, something crazy. I mean, we heard, we felt the earth shake. We saw that no wonder the centurion said, truly this is the son of God. No wonder he said that. I mean, the earth's shaking, graves is open, and three days, days, hey man, Moses is going to be walking around saying, how y'all doing? I ain't seen you since Mount Nebo. Hey man, I know y'all ain't heard from me, but I just want to let you know it's good, it's good, it's good. He delivered the captivity captive. There's no holding cell in hell no more. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord, and we're evidence of that. We're no longer held down there. There is no purgatory to pay your way out of. Ain't no purgatory for the Catholics to talk about. That was Abraham's bosom. It's empty now. Hey man, to be absent is to be present. He moved paradise to glory because wherever he's at, it's paradise. Would y'all say amen? Oh, thank God. Hallelujah. There's a, there's a man died. According to the scripture, there's a man died for sin. Y'all know his name is? Say it with me. Jesus. Amen. Down on this cross. Thank God for the strange darkness. Thank God that that transaction so holy, man can't look at it. Thank God for that symbolic destruction. There is no middle wall, but we've been made nigh, according to the book of Ephesians, by the blood of Christ. Amen. Oh, thank you, Lord. Amen. There's, thank God for the startling display. Thank God for every rock being rent. Thank God for the graves opening up. Hallelujah for that. But I want you to know this. Not only do we see that his death was supernatural. It affected creation. It affected everything. It affected the living. It affected dead. But watch this. Not only was his death supernatural, it was substitutionary. In Luke chapter number 23, in Luke chapter 23, let's go back in Luke chapter in number 23. Watch what the Bible said. Y'all, y'all in Luke? In Luke chapter number 23, In verse number 46 and 48, here's what the Bible said. And when Jesus cried with a loud voice, he said, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. And having said thus, he gave up the ghost. So it was, amen, a substitutionary death. In other words, I'm, I'm willingly giving my life. I've already said it, but here's what. The one on the center cross, he died for sin, and he willingly did it. He willingly gave his life. In verse 46, no man took it. It was willingly given, but not only that. Look at verse 47. It was wonderfully glorifying. Hey, man, hallelujah. It was a supernatural death. It was a substitutionary death. He gave himself in the place of us, but he thanked God it was not willing 
only willingly given, it was wonderfully glorifying. Look what happened in verse 47. Now when the centurion saw what was done, what did he do? He glorified God. If that man did it on the cross and he was responsible, I, I, I love getting some smart alecks over to the side and they'll pull you over there and say, I tell you what we ought to do with Jews, we ought to kill every one of them. They're responsible for killing Christ. Now just hold on a minute. They didn't actually be, they weren't the ones, they weren't the ones who nailed him to the cross. That was Romans. Are you, would y'all agree with me? But he, and it was a determinant council, but who, who allowed it? Who initiated it? And the foreknowledge of God. You know who's guilty for Christ? Dying on the cross, you and I. Because every single one of us, we're all guilty. Amen. Jew and Gentile. Every single one of us today are guilty of crucifying the Savior. They rejected him. They didn't receive him. But Gentiles don't receive him either. And it was through the wicked hands of the Gentiles, the bulls of Bashan, Psalms calls them, that, that stood around him. It's by their hand that he was actually nailed to the cross of Christ. Would you all agree with me? That's what the book says. Amen. Hallelujah. There was a substitutionary death. Thank God. He was wonderfully, I mean, glorified God saying, true, certainly, in, in Luke's gospel, he says, certainly, this was a righteous man. I like what he said in Matthew. I like what he said in John. Truly, this was the Son of God. Oh, ain't you glad? Ain't you glad that I believe, I believe we'll see the centurion one day in heaven. I believe we'll get to see him, and I believe we'll get to see them other three. I believe they parted the garments into four parts. I believe that's what I read. Are, are y'all right? Now, they might have been in a big entourage. Maybe it was just the four high-ranking ones that got part of that garment, but there was at least four. And I, according to the Scripture, there was four. I believe, I believe they got saved. Let's read it one more time. Now, when the centurion saw what was done, he glorified God, saying, Certainly, this was a righteous man. You look what it says over our Matthew's account. Here's what it says over our Matthew's account. And they that were with him, every single one of them, they agreed together. They ain't never seen nobody die like this. They ain't never seen nobody. They have to break their legs. It takes days to die. They're going to have to break their legs so they can quit getting air in their lungs because they got to get them off the cross for their Jewish high holy day starts. And so we got to make sure we speed this thing up. But they couldn't break his legs. It had been against the scripture. And so he gave up the ghost. He willingly laid down his life. Oh, I don't know about y'all. I get excited thinking about Calvary. It was willingly given. It was wonderfully glorifying. Oh, thank God. Hallelujah for these symbolic crosses. So we see one man. He died for sin. His death was substitutionary. Thank God. I appreciate him taking my place. Amen. And then not only that, Brother, Brother Scott, think about this. That one on the cross, he willingly gave his life. It wonderfully glorified God. But look at this man. There's one dying on the cross beside of him. And this man, according to the Bible, there's one dying in sin. Look at chapter 23, verse number 39. And one of the malefactors, which were hanged, railed on him, saying, If thou be Christ, save thyself, and us. So here's a man, he's not sorry for what he he's not sorry for what he did. He's sorry for where he's at. He's sorry for getting caught. Amen. I always we talk to some people sometimes, and it's amazing. You can tell how rebellious a person is or repentive a person is on what they talk to you when they counsel with you. 
Some of them you can tell right off the bat they're sorry, but they're only sorry they got caught. And some of them are sorry because they convicted. This man wasn't sorry because he is convicted. He is sorry because he got caught. He's sorry because he's on the cross. Amen. This is a man who got this cross on this cross on the I call it the cross on the left side. This man died. He died despitefully. He died rebelling. He died despising the standards of the law. Amen. One malefactor, he railed on him. That's what the Bible said. And they started out, both of them railing on him. But here the Bible says he hanged on and railed on him. Instead of repenting, he railed. My God, have mercy. He's sorry for where he is, but not what he is. Instead of relying on Jesus, he railed on Jesus. In spite of being, instead of instead of being delivered from his sin, he was despising the Savior. Did y'all notice that? If thou be, he's doubting whether Christ is who he says he is. He says, "If thou be Christ, save yourself." I just want to say right quick, I've already said it before, don't want to preach this message again, but ain't you glad he didn't save himself? <laughs> if he'd have saved himself, we couldn't have got saved. But thank God he didn't save himself. And all God's people said, he died despitefully rebelling. He died defiantly rebelling. But notice this, there's another man here. He's a man on the right side. The man in the middle, he died for sin. The man on the left side, he died in sin. But thank God there's a man on the right side. He died to sin. And that represents all of mankind. There's some people going to get saved. They're going to die to self and die to sin. And they're going to call on Jesus to, to save them just like this thief on the right side. And then there's going to be some. And they just as close to the Lord. They have just as much opportunity. They, both of them heard everything the Lord said. Both of them saw everything that took place. And one one, instead of relying on Christ, he railed on Christ. He, 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 re, he released accusations against Christ, and he doubted who he was. He doubted his power. He doubted his position. But notice what happened. There's one man dying to sin. Now, I like this man. In Luke chapter number 23 and verse number 40, but the other answering rebuked him, saying, Dost not thou fear God? seeing thou art in the same condemnation. He revered Christ. He, 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 he renounced his own sinfulness and renounced that other guy what he was doing. Look what happened in verse 41. He said, and we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds, but this man hath done nothing amiss. He's the only one that spoke up for Christ's innocent in the whole place. Pilate said, I find no fault in him, but this thief right here said he's done nothing amiss. That means nothing. That means nothing ever in his life had he ever done, and this man confessed it. His own mama didn't confess it. John didn't confess it. Mary Magdalene didn't confess it. Mary, wife of Cleophas, didn't confess it. Y'all might as well say amen. The only man that spoke up for the innocence of the Savior was a thief on the right side. I believe he got a little enlightenment by the Holy Ghost. We'll see it in just a minute. Hey man, the Bible, here's what the Bible says. Here's what the Bible said. He said, if thou be the Christ, that's what one of them said. But notice what he said. He said unto Jesus, Lord, according to the Bible, no man can call him Lord except by way of the Holy Ghost. Amen. The Holy Ghost done turned the light on in him. 
Amen. The lights are going to go off in just a little bit. Amen. Things is going to change. That transaction that's holy between the Father and the Son is going to take place. But that old thief ain't going to doubt in the dark what he heard in the light. Somebody say amen. Hey man, if you, if you keep your flesh nailed to the cross, you can't look back at all the mess you in. Hey man, and you won't doubt in the dark what you've heard in the light. Somebody ought to have a running fit right there. Hey man, if Mason was old enough, he'd be doing it right now. Jerry won't bring him in here because he knows he's going to run for me. Hallelujah. He repented. Here's what he did. He repented. This man dying, these three crosses, one for sin, one in sin, one to sin. This man, I've already read it to you, Brother Scott, he repented of the sins of his life. He said, he said, we indeed justly, in other words, we're getting what we deserve. You know what? If we got what we deserve, we could be nailed to the cross. If we got what we deserve, we'd go to hell. If we got what we deserve, if I got what I deserved after I got saved, I'd still go to hell. But ain't you glad? Thank God I can't. I'm hell proof and heaven bound. <laughs> Amen. Hey man, hey man, what a contra- what a contrast between the one on the left and the one on the right. That's why I say directions to heaven is turn right and go straight. Amen. It's the thief on the right that got it right. Hallelujah. He he recognized, he recognized the sovereignty of the Lord. He called him Lord. He didn't just recognize the sovereignty of the Lord, amen, and the sin and confess the sins of his own life, but he recognized him as Savior. Look what he said. He said, Remember me <laughs> when thou comest into thy kingdom. He didn't ask like James and John for, for premier seating in the kingdom. He didn't ask, or like their mother, probably initiated by them. He didn't ask for the right side and the left side. He didn't even ask for a place. You know what he asked, Brother Scott? Just remember me. Just remember me. Just let me cross your mind. Oh, my God, how mercy. Amen. Boy, this guy's repenting. He's confessing his sin. It's revealed to him who he is. He's Lord. But he knows he's recognized his sonship. He's recognized his lordship. And he recognized his kingship because he said, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. You gotta be a king to have a kingdom. Amen. You've gotta have, he recognized he is the Messiah that's gonna have a kingdom. He recognized him as savior. Oh, God help me. I say glory to God. He recognized he was sinless. He recognized he was sovereign. He recognized he was a savior. And he called on and said, to, here's what he said. He said, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. That's a plea for forgiveness. That's a prayer of faith. That's a prophetic statement of the future. Amen. Amen. When thou comest. I know this ain't the end of you. So when you come into your kingdom, just remember me. Look what the Lord said. Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto you, Today shalt thou be with me in paradise. Boy, that's enough to make a dead Presbyterian shout. Kick the back end out of his robe. Hallelujah. He repented of his sin, recognized his sovereignty. Amen. Received him as Savior because he said, Today shalt thou be with me in paradise. Now we can talk about this, and it's a whole other mystery, but let me just say, when John the Baptist died, I'll guarantee you, that crowd down there in the holding cell and, and, the, and that compartment called paradise in Abraham's bosom, God moved paradise, but at that moment, in Abraham's bosom, here's what he, I'll get you old John the Baptist. How are you, him? He said, nope, 
but I baptized him. I seen him with my own God-given eyeballs. He's coming, boys. And I don't know what all took place, but I know this. I bet you the one that got to walk arm in arm with Jesus. He said, are you him? He said, he's with me. I couldn't do nothing for him. And at the last moment, on a deathbed conversion, God saved my soul. Don't believe people says he can't save, he can't save people on a deathbed. I wouldn't, I wouldn't put it off because you don't know if you're going to have the conscience or the mentality or the opportunity to call on the Lord. But he can save them in the prison. He can save them in the pit. And he can save them in the last place on earth that they'll spend one last word. I'm glad this old boy made a plea, had a prayer. And thank God God gave him a prophetic statement of the future. He said, today thou shalt be with me in paradise. What about that? Not just in the kingdom, friend. You're going to be with me in paradise. Not just the palace, but paradise. Amen. I ain't never got to take my wife nowhere like that. One day I want to. I want to take my wife somewhere. And I've seen these places. I think there's a place over in, in Florida. And some of them's got glass bottoms on them. And you got this little walking place out there. And you go out to this hut. And you just you rent this whole hut. And the water's blue. And it's, they, they call it paradise. Well, that's a beautiful place, Brother Jared. I'd love one day to take my wife there. I'd like to take my wife out to see out, out there out west and, and see that fountain. I ain't never got to go out there, never got to see old, uh, old Faithful. I ain't ne- I've never got to go out there to Yellowstone. I'd like to go out there and see it. And some people call that paradise. But I'm going to tell you what. <laughs> hey, man, somebody said, well, boy, ain't it going to be something? The streets are going to be paved with gold. And I said, yeah, but that's gold like no other gold you know. It's transparent. <laughs> it glows because they, there's one up there called the S-O-N where the light is. There ain't no sun, no moon over there. He's the light thereof. The Lamb is the light there. Are y'all with me today? Oh, what a, can you imagine gates made of pearl, foundation of 12 stone, a city four square. Won't that be something? But I'm gonna tell you if it's knee deep in mud and Jesus is there, it'd be paradise. Amen. And you know how we are in the South anyway. We probably like it, mud. Hey, man, thank God. Thank God. Thank God for the cries from the cross. Thank God for the crosses that we see on Calvary. The cries from Calvary. Thank God for the symbolic crosses at Calvary. Now they, two thieves, one repented and one resented. One relied on the Lord one reviled the Lord. One had faith in the Lord and one forsook his opportunity to know the Lord. See, when he recognized his sonship, his kingship, his lordship, he was longing for companionship. And that man got it, the thief did. Today, in heaven, one day at the marriage supper of the Lamb, we're going to get to look down there and say, hey, you that man? He said, woo, I sure am. Hey man, I never ate the Lord's Supper, never got to witness, never got to do anything for the Lord. Oh, I said, oh man, yes you did. You witnessed to me every time I read that text. You encouraged me every time I read the text. I was thinking, man, I bet if you could have opportunity, you'd jump in the water and hole. That's what it feel When oh, Hey man, you remember Philip? Hey man, went down there that eunuch. As soon as he heard the truth, he was wanting to know what kept him out of the water. He said, all you gotta do, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Stopped the chair, got baptized and went on down the road preaching again. I guarantee you he'd have jumped in. We get to get in the baptism. We get to hand out tracts. 
I wonder today, which side of the cross you on? You on the side of the cross where he's for you? Are you on the side of the cross where sin is against you? Thank God when we look at Calvary, we know he's our sovereign. We know he's sinless. We know he's our savior. And I don't know, I don't know if there might be somebody here, but the choice of the thieves is your choice. If there's somebody here lost, the choice of the thieves is your choice. Let's say it's...